You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Soul Power to the People podcast. If you're not feeling in control of your own life, you are going to want to stick around and meet our guest because he's very young, 37 years old. He's been a digital nomad for five years now and been traveling around the world, but I'll let him introduce himself. Um, I know... I don't want to butcher your name. Yeah, yeah. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've known each other for a while. We've done same trainings together. And when I saw that he was traveling in the middle of a lockdown, I'm like, wow. You know, I only went to Nebraska and this dude right here, has been traveling around the world. So tell us about yourself. Please introduce yourself and where are you from and where are you now? So my name is Yair. In uh, Hebrew, it means he will illuminate. Uh, I like uh, etymology and origin of words. So I'm from Israel and I left Israel in April of last year. Mm. It was after I did spend one year in Israel uh, in one place uh, during everything that came up with COVID and so on. And now I'm currently in a small town called Salinas in Ecuador. Okay. Tell us uh, one, what was the situation in Israel? Um, I did a podcast on uh, genocide and I mentioned Israel or what I was hearing about Israel at that time. You know, uh, I don't know if you know Elvisa, uh, also an RMT coach, and we did um, we did an episode on the stages of genocide, and part of that, uh, you know, there was there was like, oh my God, you know, the whole uh, country is um, gonna get the, in my opinion, the lethal injection. I I know a lot of people will disagree with that. Um, but for me, it was like, oh my God, they, they don't even have a choice, you know, it, what was the situation, um, when you were there and why did you leave? Okay. So I actually had plans on leaving for a while. I just didn't feel ready. Um, and then at some point I did, and I was also very, very happy to have left when I did. Why? Uh, first of all, I never got uh, vaccinated. And it's not that I'm one of those people who say, no, vaccines in general are evil and, and so on. Uh, I have a master's in biotechnology. I understand the technology behind vaccines and I understand the, the logic behind it. It's just that with this particular one, I didn't feel comfortable for two reasons. One is it was so new and has not been tested enough. Basically, Israel was kind of like a big pilot that, that, that's yeah that's what I was getting into and and like people didn't really have a choice but go on second thing is it's a completely new technology that uses mm -hmm. mRNA proteins which 
is what they normally uh, would use for vaccines. And what my concerns around it were that once the body gets the mRNA, what's to stop it from um, starting something chronic? Because uh, there are so many factors. The system is so complicated. Like everything when it comes to biology is so complex that I think it's a bit conceited to or arrogant to think that, oh, we know exactly what's going to happen and like mm -hmm. uh, things up so, so much. Um, now, personally, I also chose not to get vaccinated because I have like history with like um, problems with chronic inflammation and I just didn't want to take the risk. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just that at some point, like it, it was never mandatory. No one forced you to get vaccinated. Is that right? Okay. Because I was hearing, you know, from various sources that, you know, screaming for help, crying for help. Hey, this is uh, medical tyranny, so-and-so. Yeah. The way it is, because even though it's not mandatory, they did make life very, very difficult for you if you were not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of pressure. And on top of that, there was also in the U.S. specifically, you notice it's uh, very uh, like profoundly, but also in Israel and in other places, there was a lot of propaganda that uh, painted or pictured anyone who's not vaccinated as like the enemy of the public. Exactly. Yeah. One in danger. You're being stupid. Uh, in the U.S., it became like very political because it was also very associated with like the Trump supporters. And like another thing I found really odd is like who gives someone else the right to ask me about my personal medical history? You know, I mean, what happened to privacy? <laughs> exactly. So I um, basically at some point uh, I, I really wanted to visit Europe. Uh, I have many friends around Europe and I wanted to go and visit them. And mm -hmm. at that time, it was not possible to enter from Israel directly to both places in the EU because of the- That's exactly why I'm so amazed with your story. Um, the, you defied the lockdown, <laughs> basically. So how I'm did you do it? I didn't say I did fight because I never did anything that was like illegal. I never went against the like uh, regulations or anything like that. Uh, basically, what I did was I found that Bulgaria specifically was open to uh, Israelis uh, at that time. Mm -hmm. So I went and then I thought about it a bit and I decided to go to Turkey and I stayed there for a while and I enjoyed it immensely. Turkey was amazing. Turkey was actually very interesting because as a foreigner, you could do anything. Like they had lockdowns, curfews, but as a foreigner, they didn't apply to you. Really? Wow, they didn't enforce their own laws into foreigners. Wow. Economically speaking, was like very smart of them. So yeah, I remember I was walking down the street in the evening uh, it was Ishtaklal, which is like one of the busiest streets in Istanbul. And there was not a living soul. 
I sent it to a few friends, Turkish friends, and they told me they don't think they've ever seen that street empty, like ever. Wow, that's amazing. And so how long were you in Turkey? Uh, I was for about two months. Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, Prague opened up, so I flew there mm -hmm. and spent some time there in quarantine uh, or self-isolation. Um, which was fine. Like I took some time for myself, did my workouts. Uh, like I, I, I uh, kind of enjoy uh, sometimes to take these times of lockdown or self-isolation to just like focus on myself, on my health. And then from there, I went to Poland, and Poland. then and then I flew to Cyprus. Then uh, my uh, general plan initially was to get to the U.S. and then travel around uh, the Americas to go south. And back then, um, I think it's uh, changed since, you were not allowed to enter the U.S. if you were coming from anywhere in Europe, in the European Union, even if it's just an hour's layover. Oh, wow. Crazy. Like, if you have been to anywhere in the EU for the past two weeks, you were not allowed to enter the US. So I went back to Turkey to spend some more time so that I'm allowed to enter the US mm -hmm. and took a flight with Qatar uh, to get to the US. Oh, interesting have a layover anywhere in like Europe because both flights would stop in like Paris or Spain. Wow. And so from Qatar, uh, where did you go or how did you like it over there? It was a layover through Qatar to uh, Boston. So I didn't. Oh, so you've been to the U.S. Huh. You didn't go to Minneapolis, huh? I <laughs> uh, didn't get a chance, no. Uh-huh. And then uh, where are you now? So from Boston, how long did you stay there? In Boston specifically, I was there for roughly a week, a week and a half. Uh, mm -hmm. Then I through Rhode Island uh, to New York. And New York was crazy at the time. Like They really started uh, requiring the vaccination cards everywhere to enter. Mm -hmm and so on so i just didn't go out to eat <laughs> mm -hmm. so how you, you, when you went to bulgaria first you you flew there or yeah so and there were restrictions on the plane like masking and stuff uh what uh, yeah well so you all of my flights there was always a requirement to wear masks yeah and okay good isn't that mandatory now it is. When I entered, it was still not uh, uh, required to be vaccinated to enter the U.S. Wow. And when where, when was that? When were you in Boston? I arrived in September of last year. Wow. And I believe that in, uh, no, sorry, in August of last year. And I believe that in November, in the beginning of November, they started requiring it. And back then, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who told me that because he knew that my plan is to continue to Mexico later, 
mm-hmm. because very likely Mexico will adopt the U.S.'s policies when it comes to vaccination, which fortunately they have not. Yeah, yeah. But I did not want to take the risk, so then I left in uh, November to go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so from Mexico, where did you go? So I spent like almost half a year in Mexico, and then I came here to Ecuador. Ecuador. How, what's the difference between the two? The difference? Um, well, I think there are more differences than there are similarities, to be honest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like other than the fact that both are Spanish-speaking countries, and mm-hmm. is the know, culture really different? It's quite different. Yeah, yeah. I, I meet. I, uh, I dance right. So I meet people from Ecuador, from different places, and they have a different um, energy to them. Like, although. I don't know. I can't explain it. That's why I'm I'm curious. Like, what do you find uh, different between Mexico and Ecuador? I love Mexico, and uh, I also escaped the tyranny here in uh, Minnesota. Right? Um, I couldn't be bothered with the lockdown. I mean, if you want a lockdown, fine. But I believe in my freedom. You cannot contain me. That I believe in my free spirit. So. Um, if you force me to do anything against my will, I might hurt somebody or might hurt myself. So <laughs> like I'm out of here. Uh, plus everything that went on during the George Floyd um, decimation of uh, where I was, my city, Minneapolis. Um, so I'm like, I, I'm, I'm done. I can meditate through the burning of the buildings and, and stuff. But I, another one, another uh threat of rioting back in November during the election, you know, after the election result, I'm like, sayonara and goodbye. I went and I was going to go to Mexico too. I researched it. I could bring my pets. Um, Like you said, there was no restriction coming into the country. And a lot of uh, my friends are there actually um, enjoying an expat uh, status. So how did you make it possible to travel to all this places how did money not run out of you because we're talking about breaking out of paradigms right breaking out of limitation so a lot of people rolled up their sleeves so that they are still able to travel um and now you have to what get two three four boosters in order to maintain that i don't know so like Every country has its own regulations and its own, its own requirements. And it's like in one place, you only have to have one shot. In another place, you have to have like one shot from the last six months. Uh, it's, it's like a circus. Wow. And so that must be a tremendous research for you to, uh, to know all this information ahead of time. So much in terms of research, it's just you have to stick to being updated. So, like, uh, part of the uh, nature of traveling during COVID is there's a lot of uncertainty and you have to play by ear. Like, uh, I usually make the decisions to move to another place within like two weeks before I get there. 
things change constantly. Like for example, one of the top destinations that I wanted to visit here in uh, America was Colombia. And they uh, required vaccination just up to the beginning of May. And now it's open? Oh, it's open, so I'm going next week. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So when it comes to finances, a lot of people say, uh, um, no, I can't travel because I don't have the money or, you know, we talked about uncertainty. How are you handling finances? So uh, first of all, like part of the whole concept of being a digital nomad means that you're working digitally. So I've mm -hmm. been uh, remotely for the past five years. Um, nice. So it started with, um, uh, when I first started traveling, I was working for a software company. I was doing their uh, customer onboarding um, and like consulting. And then I decided to take a break from everything and figure out what's next. And then I started teaching. So uh, I was teaching uh, programming to kids online and uh, that actually started as uh, an in-person teaching job and as COVID started it switched to remote so it's actually my favorite <laughs> and I also uh, I started teaching English online which I still do uh, working for an Israeli school mm -hmm. uh, I did some translation work and I started coaching recently so nice nice so breaking free of the limiting paradigms right paradigms that create limitations in people's life this is what I, where i want to focus because i'm like wow how do you know what is it about you what do you have to believe in order to create your own freedom to have that uh to be able to sustain yourself and be uh a nomad right um Describe to us what mindset you have to be, you know, what emotion, you know, what state do you have to be in order to create that and what shifts. So walk us through, because a lot of people, they really contain themselves to limitation. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know that I can do that. Or what if um, this and that, you know, what if I get stuck in a country but you defy the odds. It's amazing. So teach us how you do this. So the first thing is we have to understand that it's all about fear, right? Like uh, the way that we are controlled is by fear. So when we choose to be affected by fear, then we give away our control. And for most people, it's very convenient to give away the control because then they don't have to take responsibility and they can blame this and blame that and say they made me. Mm. Uh, the thing that I think for me was like the, let's say, uh, doorstep into this lifestyle was probably my academic background. Because mm. I did a master's in biotechnology. Um, and I did research. And as a researcher, one of the things that you have to learn is to accept failure. Wow. Because 
Failure is just another step towards the goal. So you try something, 90% of the time it doesn't work and you have to try it differently. So this is like the essence of research or at least empiric uh, research. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean uh, not the, those paid for by the pharmaceutical companies uh, type of research? I'm kidding. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and talk about like, by the way, the one of my main problems with uh, both uh, medicine and uh, nutrition, especially nutrition, is that it's so heavily statistics based, makes it a lot easier to make it biased. Mm -hmm. And second of all, um, when it comes to our bodies, we're all individuals. We all have different setups. The systems are so complex that generalization is very problematic in my opinion. I agree with that, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll put that aside, so. <laughs> yeah, okay, so going back to accept failure, which you learned. Accept failure and not to see failure as a mistake that I need to feel ashamed about or to be afraid of. It's just mm. another, like, we make mistakes and this is how we learn. This is like- well, How do you do that? How do you accept it? How do you make it fun? Or, or how, how do you shift that? So, so walk us through your tricks and tools. Mm. Well, I think one of the best way to get started mm -hmm. is ask myself, what if? And imagine the worst case scenario. Mm. And once we do that, most often we'll figure out that actually it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Kill us in most in most cases. <laughs> <laughs> Although it took me a while, I was already uh, in the mid forties when I started learning that I have to give my myself permission to to fail i heard it from robert kiyosaki uh, fail faster because you know you're trained in school to have to ace the exam to have the right answer to memorize um and so when it, yeah when it came to shifting from you know a job you know like from my accounting to creating my business to even doing a podcast that that you know, breaking away from fear or what if they don't like my message? What if my dissenting voice, I get banned and blah, 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 <laughs> which I do. Um, but uh, so I like that, accept failure. So what's the next step? Um, well, once you accept failure, then you just have to keep in mind where you want to get to mm -hmm. and accept that you're going to make mistakes along the way because it's just part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And it's really about like uh, building up the faith that like anything is possible. Like you just mm -hmm. need to, and, um, and, and that's also true for business, you know, like we can never be assured 
that the specific uh, method or strategy is going to work. And I think the most successful businesses are those that accept that they have to be flexible and mm -hmm. doesn't work, then they're going to have to shift gear and go somewhere else. Right. And one of my pet peeves in the coaching world is the being sold a formula, you know, that you have to do this formula in order to succeed. And oh my God, I had to coach people on mindset to just make the formula work. And and, and this was uh, coaching someone on another, on not my business, but uh, another coaching for someone else. Uh, it was hard. It's like it's the cookie cutter approach doesn't really work. Kind of like what you said with the with the body, our body being so complicated, right? It's the same thing with our mission and our, our path and our purpose and that you can't just I can't just borrow your formula and expect it to work for me because we are so different and yet the same also. But really more different than the same or i don't know what are your thoughts on that i think we need to um recognize patterns patterns okay uh, we are all different and yet there are there is a relatively in my opinion limited number of patterns when it comes to human behavior mm -hmm. um so I think in most cases, if we're talking about uh, self-development, coaching, and so on, you need to recognize to which of the patterns a person falls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that takes a lot of self-awareness and self-responsibility. And that's why I believe that the very first step of any coaching process, or at least any good coaching process, is self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like what you said, um, staying the same was, a, how did you say it earlier, was a good excuse for people not to take responsibility. Uh, to give away control. Yeah. To give away control. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, if we talk about the six human needs, it's like certainty. Mm -hmm. I am giving away my power someone else is taking care of it so i have some certainty that like okay so i don't have to worry about it they're taking care of it and this is what people are doing for governments yeah the alphabet agencies right oh yeah they say wear this do this for boosters yeah and, and then mm -hmm. as a teacher, it frustrates me so much because i hear the pain of my students and I teach for a private school, so it's like an extracurricular thing, but uh, I don't have any uh, control or uh, a way to influence the uh, educational system, which is horrible. Like, uh, I thought it was bad when I was at school, but like it's gotten so much worse. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Definitely, the our school system has been hijacked. Our medical system has been hijacked. Our government has been hijacked a long time ago, right? Um, so many things, our soil, our environment, our, you know, they call it climate change, but really it's uh, geoengineering. 
um, there's so many things that, so it's all stacked up against us. So how, so what else do you have to do to regain control of your own life, to be back in the driver's seat? Um, well, I mean, to be honest, the first step is the hardest, is to make the decision to do it. So you said self-awareness and now decision, right? Yeah, it is the hardest. Decide that, yeah, we're taking the responsibility for our own lives mm -hmm. and to be blaming or shaming anyone else or something that we're not happy with. Mm -hmm. so in a way, it's kind of like doing the shadow work um, and accepting like all the parts of ourselves. What was your journey like? How, how did you get into shadow work? So I don't want to talk coach line. I can understand you when you throw shadow work or I'm going to throw in uh, inner work or uh, self-love or inner child healing, right? And so those, those are things that um, are essential to build your self-awareness, to, to really make the shift from fear power to what I call soul power, right? Um, but how did you, I know for me, it was cosmic to buy force. You know, I, I was just doing what I'm doing <laughs> and then all of a sudden whack in the head and then all of a sudden whack and I'm like, what did I do? Whack in the head. Okay, I'm listening. Another whack in the head. But what was your journey like for you? For me, I think the breakthrough was a result of pain okay so just a lot of emotional pain uh, loneliness uh, feeling unworthy uh, not being able to create like meaningful relationships feeling a bit numb emotionally mm -hmm. um, so it was just like everything kind of piled up and at some point it just had to shift so it you know it's like uh, I, I i find that very often pain is like one of the forces that cause us to grow the most mm -hmm. exactly and that for me was the cosmic two by four whack in the head i'm like i'm not doing anything i know you're not doing anything exactly <laughs> you're meant to do more <laughs> um and so wow thank you for that yeah I, I felt you when you said loneliness um relationship was it hard to leave israel leaving behind relationships specifically from that angle i would say no because um i find that at this day and age most of the relationships have been online anyway you know mm. i would in video calls with friends because we would live in different cities and yes of course there would be meetings every now and then but um, they were not very very uh, frequent so uh, a friend of mine actually uh, someone that i met through couchsurfing which is a platform that i love and highly recommend um asked me recently if i'm lonely and i told him that to be honest i don't feel lonely like yes sometimes i'm alone by choice and mm -hmm. 
usually I have people to talk to. Um, I make friends wherever I am. And I still keep in touch with people from back home, with people that I met throughout my journey. Uh, if anything, I would say the one of the biggest drawbacks of this lifestyle, if we're talking about relationships, is having really profound interactions, which is something mm. happen like as frequently as I would like it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you're constantly on the go. Yeah, because uh, I was in California for two years. Well, not just California, in the West Coast. I was Airbnb my way around. Um, I was just... I was a coach for this personal development company and I was and I was also immersed in uh, personal development myself so I was in live event after live event after live event you know from from San Diego all the way to Vancouver uh, Canada to visit my mom so I was just relocating every couple of weeks uh, you know, um, communing with the goat up in the mountains. <laughs> so I, I had a share of that abandonment of detachment of leaving behind everything, you know, from the counting world to what is the future, you know, getting comfortable with the uncertainty, getting comfortable with the idea of creating possibilities. So those were really just um, exploration. Um, so yeah, I, I totally believe that we cannot be lonely once we find ourselves, at least even, even at early stages of self-exploration, the loneliness really sort of, uh, dissolves, uh, it, it goes away because then there's there's that inner knowing um there's that oneness with all of creation that happens i want you to talk about that because because that was a very you know talk about profound experience um yes profound experience can be you know you know someone uh experiencing or or witnessing someone and 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 being in that sacred conversation with someone but th there's also that sacred knowing of oneself that eliminates self-doubt eliminates uh loneliness um and and i i wanted to be there more but what was your experience um well i'm a huge fan of metaphors and visualization. Mm. I, I, when I just started traveling, uh, I remember I called myself a wizard because I identified how we can use our imagination to really cast spells on our psyche. Wow, um, I like that. So um, my experience was that, um, and I actually did uh break through this uh by doing the um rmt course mm -hmm. like the the stepping stone and basically as a child we uh my family moved from one city to another uh, when i was in the sixth grade i believe and that was traumatic for me 
because I uh -huh. left home and we were not able to stay in touch, even though it was just like one city away, but still I was too young mm -hmm. and technology that we have today. And the uh, sixth grader me basically decided, okay, this whole emotion thing is like way, way too strong. I'm not able to uh, really uh, cope with it. I also like mm -hmm. have a Scorpio, so I feel things like very, very strongly. Um, <laughs> and he just decided that he's going to freeze everything out. So, sixth I, grade. So how old were you when you were six? Because this is in RMT terms, guys, RMT means Robin Spadonis training, which uh, Yair and I uh, went through together. Uh, maybe different times, but we were in, that's how we met. But um, key decisions, what was your key decision? What was it that you told yourself that this is too much pain and you froze everything out? What did you make it mean? I said uh, the decision was I need to freeze my heart so I don't mm -hmm. feel- Because what's, what's because the underlying I... belief? Uh, the underlying belief was I'm alone, nobody gets me, I can't connect to anyone, uh, people left me, Yeah, they left yeah. them. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I just like, I remember um, as a kid, I, um, I was, I had like a really, really vivid imagination ever mm -hmm. since. Oh, so like in... Uh, at school at recess and after school, I would have some friends and we would just like imagine different adventures together. And back then I, I visualized an icy dome or a coat uh, encircling me. And that's like, I, I like to say that was my first like really strong spell. Oh, as a wizard, I see. And I love it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so later on, uh, I was already in my so sixth grade means I was about 12 years old or 11 okay. years old. Okay, let's say mid 20s, even late 20s. Um, I was super frustrated because I felt like I couldn't really interact with people in a way that touches me. I would say that um, people call me really brave because I'm an open book and I just like share whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to share whatever because I didn't really care. You're right, right, exactly. Uh, and while I was doing the uh, RMT training, uh, I was also um, combining it with some other. Uh, methods and mm -hmm. through this uh image of basically back then I, I remember the image turned from being surrounded by ice to being surrounded by diamonds it was like mm. wow so there was some like com it was a combination of uh visualization of transforming the diamond and movement and affirmations and like uh, uh, touching myself, tapping myself while I'm doing yeah. this. That was what really like liberated me 
from that. Yeah. Uh, I love it because your coping mechanism is exactly the same mechanism that also freed you. Like even, and, and also, even though the same pattern of consistently moving away or moving location, even though it was traumatic for you as a child, you have that experience to carry on to to bring with you today as a digital nomad isn't that amazing it, it, it's like we're seeing both good and uh racing the traumatic stress. but it brought gifts I, I want to really emphasize that uh to people right the same mechanism that led you to this is also the same mechanism that you're using so it's not good bad right or wrong it's just the awareness we talked about awareness of of being able to utilize everything to to meet where you want to be and even back then it wasn't a negative thing it came from a completely positive uh intent exactly exactly but the 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 thing that you were i hope people uh are are following the anatomy of a broken heart right <laughs> it's like you shut yourself down and yet it was also positive because you were also growing in so many ways, but at some point you had to liberate yourself to, you know, that key decision, that false self. So when you, when you, when you said, I'm going to freeze all this pain and then it create a false self identity that I am alone, I am separate from people and I'm so disconnected. At some point in your life, you had to come back and face that and break free because what? Now you're 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 moving into your true self. That what is your belief this time? From I am alone, nobody cares. Uh, people are leaving me. What is your belief right now? It's the most natural thing for me to create connections with people. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So th this right here is from the false self to the true self, like from the world of limitation to a world of expansion and, and infinite possibilities, really. Once people realize that, that they have that innate ability to, to tap into that power inside that we're limited out of fear, out of self-protection, once we can't keep that uh, contained because we need the genius, the talents, everything, the freedom, the beauty, the, the intelligence. Frozen spark. Yeah, frozen spark. I love it. Yeah, we have to thaw it, you know, and turn it into diamonds. The, the ice, you, you, you iced it up. It, it, it's such an amazing metaphor. I hope people are following this. This is because this is the key to really uncovering um, our own blossoming. It's, it's so amazing. Yeah, from loneliness to freedom is, is what I'm hearing the theme here is. You spoke about modalities, because you have to have other modalities other than strategic intervention um, to get to, to help you as, as tools to help you to uh, do what you want to do you know, to break free, uh, to defy the odds, to not be trapped by things that require your submission and conformity, right? 
Um, what other things do you tap into? Well, I think uh, the one most is uh, visualization and imagination. Uh, wow. I do uh, a lot of kind of journeying, whether inwards or outwards. Um, I do work with uh, inner archetypes, mm -hmm. which that I basically approach, uh, let's say, facets of myself, and I give them an image and everything, and I have a discussion with them. And nice. I try to understand. Um, and yeah, I think these are the most powerful tools that I'm using. Wow. And how are you helping your clients now in your coaching? What, what, what are you known for? How are you, you know, it's uh, with coaching, we all have, this is really tapping into our diverse. We, we are so diverse. We are so different. And yet we're doing the same thing. We're doing coaching. So what's your magic? <laughs> uh, so I, I like to call it intuitive coaching mm -hmm. because I tap into my own intuition a lot. And I also tap into the coachee's intuition. Uh, I uh, use uh, tarot cards and oracle cards and I normally don't like to just like spread them out and say, oh, I think this means that, and this means that. I like to ask the person in front of me, what do you think this is? Mm. Like, what does this bring up within you? And, totally. and then I kind of like use their yeah. own. I also give uh, guided visualizations. Um, different uh, methods, whether things that I learned or things that I came up with. Uh, very often it's like, I just intuitively feel that this person at the moment needs that specific kind of uh, tool. So I would go with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like when I'm at my, let's say most powerful, in terms of influence, mm -hmm. the driver's system. I'm just like picking up exactly. Like, how did I even come up with that? Like, where did exactly? That I know, right? I know it's, it's it's so magical. Yeah, yeah, it's so magical. Because because right now I'm not tapped into the, you know I'm not in my coach hat, right? But in when I'm coaching stuff. Wow. And, and, and I don't even say it. They say it. How did you know that? How did you know to say exactly what I needed to hear right now? It's, it's so amazing. Um, and I love what you said about coaching, because a lot of people shy away from coaching, you know, no, 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 what's, no one's going to tell me what to do. And that's exactly it. We don't tell you what to do. Well, what to do. I give suggestions sometimes, but actually, I think other than like the imagination, visualization, intuition, that definitely have the most powerful tool I use is questions. Yes, definitely. Often I would know the answer, but I would ask the question because I want them to know the answer. To come up with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a very, it's, it's like an assault. Um, I had an experience uh, 
very recently where they were projecting their own fears and their own assumptions into me. I'm like, no, where did you get that? That's not, no. And that's not coaching. Um, it, it's, it's such an insult and an assault to our, you know, it's lack of respect for what, you know, instead of having that partnership that you, you are uh, talking about, it's like it creates a wall. Um, no, you, you totally looked at me from a lens of brokenness rather than looking into possibility and healing. So this is a really, really important um, thing there about coaching. I think one of the main uh, objections that uh, people come up with in terms of coaching comes from the perspective of people come to a coach like they come to a psychologist for him to be or fixed. Her. Yeah, yeah, no. Once you get fixed, you have to do the work. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Walk with you while you're doing it. Hold your hand, mm -hmm. like shed lights on things that you might have missed. That's it. Exactly, exactly. But you have to walk through the eye of the needle yourself. I'm there, you know. Um, you know, flashlight on everything else that you missed, yes, uh, but I cannot walk the journey for you. And, you know, that's that's the thing about uh, healers, you know, oh, I, I'm going to heal you. It's, it's not true. I think at this time, returning to soul power is returning to that, our own, becoming our own inner healer uh, and, and really knowing the power of all that we are the I am consciousness, um, any crutches, anything that says, oh, I'm going to fix you externally. It's just a Band-Aid solution. Sorry, guys. Uh, but this is about self-responsibility and ownership. Uh, returning to soul power to the people is not for the faint of heart. It really it's isn't. Letting go of control. Like we have to take responsibility and take control over our lives with that yeah. as well as other things. Yeah, yeah. And I want to summarize, but but we've talked about so far, we've talked about self-awareness, we've talked about making that decision to cut away from pain, the pain of our false self, the pain of loneliness, because we are missing our true self, our soul, um, accepting failure along the way, and really being bold to know what you want. Is there anything else you want to add to that? What did I miss? Um, I would say, like, uh, I will sum it up saying that I believe that the uh, path to this kind of soul power is we start with the self-awareness mm -hmm. and the awareness, we need to move on to self-acceptance. Self-acceptance. Beautiful. Yes. Acceptance. Once we really accept every part then we can go to self-love and that's basically the the power you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you did mention shadow work earlier and i think that that is in the territory of the self-acceptance both awareness and acceptance are basically like shadow work is one of the modalities to use right right yeah this is amazing i love that you're you know there's there are things that you are compromising for sure. You know, the 
I know I missed it when I was traveling, the stability, the, the roots, the rooting, but, but in a world, you know, in a shaky, when things are shaky and everything is moving and shaking, it's like an earthquake right now. Everything is shaking. You don't really create foundation on shaky grounds. What I like to say is we grow our roots within ourselves so that once the earth is a bit more stable, we can plant. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, beautiful. Oh, I love that. I love that you finished that. Yeah. Yes, it's it really is, you know, the uncertainty of what's when the dust settles, at least you have created foundations, right? You have all the pieces so that when when things are more settled, then you're ready. You're ready, you're ahead of the game you're there you planted yourself already and you you're sowing seeds also it's 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 you know talk about metaphors yeah right? wherever you are you're planting your light you're 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 being the beacon of light and whoever you touch it's a ripple effect right they're changing because they see you um doing your best work and living your best life um refusing to be contained into the limitation that they want you to be. They want people to be limited. And that is a huge crime against humanity in my books. And that's what the show is about, you know, shining a light on the atrocities that keep people, that dumb down people con people's consciousness because we're meant to be more. Any final words, Yair? Right. And I think the most important thing to remember is that no one actually constricts you. They only inspire the constriction by inspiring fear. So beautiful. Constricting ourselves because we choose to be afraid. Um, and the alternative is to accept that yes, we're afraid, but uh, we pass through it. Yeah, yeah. Create mistakes along the way. Hopefully, have fun along the way too. Where can people reach you? Yeah, yeah. Of course, all your social media and stuff. I, I will uh, link uh, at the bottom of this or uh, at the description. But um, how do you people? How do you want people to connect with you? From TikTok, Facebook. I'm in all of these. I also have LinkedIn. So whatever people feel more comfortable with, uh, and then I can help them feel a bit less comfortable. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I love this conversation, Yair. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, defying the odds, creating possibilities. Inviting me, I had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. I'll see you again next week. More power to you, Yair. Good luck. God bless. You don't need luck. <laughs> thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.